Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to a special episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the very big, huge story edition. It's the last week of 2022, and we thought that would be an excellent time to talk about the biggest stories of the year and maybe toss in a few predictions for 2023. And if you hear weird drilling in the background, the uh, building next to us is doing construction. So I apologize for the jackhammering. But joining me today is our entire dream team of reporters. We've got Haley B. Miller, Laura Bischoff, and Jesse Balmert. Welcome, guys. Hello, hello. Good to be with you. So I'll get us started on this very special episode by telling you my biggest story of 2022. It was the COVID pandemic's impact on education. This was something I wrote about from January through December. And it's something I think will have an impact not only on Ohio, but the entire country for years to come. So we saw a really big spike in chronically absent kids during the pandemic. That was to be expected with the stay-at-home orders, remote learning, and the challenges of like mandatory absence for exposure and positive tests. But those numbers have continued to climb as the pandemic wanes. One in three Ohio children missed at least 10% of the school year last year. And on top of that, our national test scores are down in both English and math. Now, to be fair, they are down across the country. And Ohio isn't faring worse than the national average, but the learning loss is real. And one area in particular has been among our most vulnerable kids. So kids with disabilities, children of color, lower income families, you know, experts say the pandemic wiped out decades of progress and in closing their achievement gaps. And so they fell further behind than their well-to-do white counterparts. And fixing that's not going to be easy. That is a very tough nut to crack. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was like, way to depress us with the end of the year story there. Our second big story of the year comes from our federal reporter, Haley B. Miller. So what was the biggest thing you covered in 2022? I would definitely have to say Ohio's U.S. Senate race. That was a very, very long journey that began in 2021 when Rob Portman announced that he was going to retire at the end of this year. So there was a stampede of candidates essentially that, you know, threw their hat in the ring after Portman's retirement, particularly on the Republican side, because Ohio is a Republican leaning state. So all the Republicans who ran in the primary figured if they could win the primary, they could probably win the general. That turned out to be a correct assumption. J.D. Vance won the primary back in May, and he will be Ohio's next junior senator. So I wrote probably a thousand stories (laughs) on this race, anything from how Trump fit into it to different policies that all the candidates were espousing. Talked a lot about Tim Ryan, who won the Democratic primary, and how he was trying to appeal to moderates. And for a while, it seemed like he was going to shake things up and maybe flip the seat blue. But in the end, Vance won with a pretty good margin. Um, It was not quite as close as some of the polls suggested. So I think that furthers the theory that Ohio is becoming more red than it used to be. Yeah, but he did outperform like every other statewide Democrat on the ballot. So Tim Ryan did well. He just didn't. We just kind of what we thought, right? Like we thought he'd do well, but probably not well enough to win, which is how it worked out. Right. And I think it now a lot of national Democrats are wondering if he maybe tapped into a formula that can be helpful in red states. You know, Ryan was really trying to go to rural areas, Trump counties, trying to 
bring back a lot of these voters that used to be Democrats and then in 2016 decided they were ready for something new. So of all the stories you wrote on this, and you did write a ton, is there a favorite? On the policy nerd side of things, I one of my favorite stories I probably did was back in August looking at Vance's views on kind of the social conservative family issues. Mm. He's really big on kind of the traditional nuclear family. He has, he opposes abortion. He opposes pornography, apparently. So just kind of looking at how that factored into things. Um, there are also some really weird stories I wrote, especially during the primary. <laughs> there was the time that Trump accidentally called Vance J.P. Mandel. That was fun. And then I also had to fact check a Josh Mandel ad Back in the spring, people on social media thought that he photoshopped his face onto a body of a black Marine in one of his campaign ads. That super was not the case. It was just bad photo editing. But that is just one of the many ways that this race kind of spiraled out of control at times. Well, we appreciate you. So doing all that so that we didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) But our third big story of the year is Jesse Balmert. And I understand you had a tough choice here. Yeah, there were probably two stories that I considered, um, but the one that rose above the rest was Ohio's never-ending redistricting saga. And I really wanted to cover this whole process because I started covering state politics in 2015. And one of the first ballot initiatives I covered was the state legislative redistricting. You know, I watched You were so excited to cover this. I watched them like cut a cake with an elephant and a donkey on it. And it seemed so hopeful at the time. And I'm an Ohio native, so I feel like I know a little bit about the state and its demographics and how things work. So and a policy nerd and a numbers nerd and an Excel spreadsheet advocate. So I thought this would be so much fun. And in fact, it it was not. (laughs) So um, I think as you all of our listeners will know, Ohio's redistricting process ended in a lot of dysfunction and frustration. It led to multiple Ohio Supreme Court decisions, the first of which came out earlier this year in January. It was the top story that people read of mine the entire year was that initial decision uh, 4-3 vote where they rejected the state House and Senate maps. And that was really the beginning of a lot of rejections of maps that were passed by Republicans drawn, according to the court, in a way to benefit Republican candidates. And we saw even at the end um, that Republicans were able to pick up seats in the Ohio House and Senate using these districts. And so this saga will continue, but had some weird twists and turns. At one point, we locked two academics in a room and like we're feeding them food and watching them as if it was the Truman Show. So that was something. And uh, yeah. And then we didn't use their maps. And then we did not use their maps. But I believe they got, you know, $90,000 collectively for this weird trip to Ohio. So they're probably doing okay. Yeah. And last but certainly not least is Laura Bischoff. So what was the biggest story for you this year? Okay, to continue on this, we're all nerds theme. I'm going to (laughs) say the Ohio Supreme Court, the drama and the elections in that court. I started covering the court uh, when I came to Gannett a year and a half ago, and and it really it's really been interesting to see how Maureen O'Connor was more of a swing vote. She the sided Chief with Justice. the Chief Justice. She's a Republican, but she sided with the Democrats on a number of key issues, including the redistricting decisions on the congressional and legislative maps. And uh, there was like a real hard faction in the in the court. Now O'Connor steps off the court 
on December 31st. She was unable to run for re-election because of uh, age limits in the um, Ohio Constitution. And so, you know, it was really crucial, this election this year, and it was uh, Sharon and the Pats. Sharon Kennedy, Pat DeWine, and Pat Fisher, they all won re-election uh, pretty decidedly over their Democratic challengers. And and actually, Sharon Kennedy wasn't running for re-election. She was running for chief justice against um, Jennifer Bruner, another justice. And um, so it was really uh, critical for the Republicans um, to to hang on to the two seats held by Pat DeWine and Pat Fisher. And they and did. Then, and they did. Right. And so that continues the GOP's streak of holding the court since 1986, holding a majority. Uh, this was the first year that um, Ohioans voters were given the, vote, the um, partisan ID on the um, candidates for Supreme Court and appellate court judges. And so it was just gave uh, voters a little bit more information other than hmm, that name sounds good. So anyway, it's got some big implications for Ohioans going into next year. You know, as Jesse well knows, there will be redistricting fighting some more in front of the Supreme Court. Maybe abortion rights might might go to the court. So, you know, this is, uh, this is a pivotal, pivotal moment for, for the court. Yeah. And uh, one more thing before you go. Since we're about to start a new year, I thought it would be appropriate to end with predictions on what might be the biggest stories of 2023. And for me, I think it's going to be education again. I'm expecting major changes when Ohio does its budget. Like we could be talking universal voucher, not to mention a huge remake of who's in control of Ohio's public education that will get implemented next year. So it was education this year. I think it's going to be education next year. I'm expecting to see a lot of movement toward legalizing recreational marijuana next year. There is an initiative that's going through the process right now that would open it up to adults 21 and over. They could grow at home. They could use recreationally in addition to the medical marijuana program that's already in place. Advocates are going through the state's very confusing and wonky initiated statute process. So starting in January, the proposal will go back to lawmakers for them to not do anything with as expected. Then from there, advocates will try to get the issue on the ballot in November 2023. They tried this this year, ran into some problems. It's entirely possible that they could also run into some bumps and that this may not happen in the November election next year, but I certainly think this is probably the most momentum anyone has had on this front in a little while. Yeah, the second topic I was considering was about the critical Roe v. Wade being overturned and the Dobbs decision that came out over the summer and what that meant for Ohio, the fact that Ohio's 2019 law that prohibited doctors from performing abortions after cardiac activity was detected, that took effect for a period of time. It was placed on hold by a judge. So I expect going forward, lawmakers are going to have some opinions about when abortions can be performed. There's going to be a number of particularly conservative lawmakers who are going to push for abortion, banning abortion from the point of conception. It is possible that we're going to, I think it's likely that we're going to have a ballot initiative within the next two years from groups that would like to protect abortion access and abortion rights. And then we'll also have that case on uh, the 2019 law that is going through the court system, eventually reaching that Ohio Supreme Court with a new you know, Republican conservative majority. So there is going to be plenty to watch on that front. Yeah. Okay. So um, I got to say that the biggest story I think is going to happen in January, which is the um, Larry Householder trial, along with uh, Matt Borges, the former Ohio Republican Party chairman, and Householder, the former Ohio House Speaker. They're both uh, faced uh, with um, RICO charges, racketeering charges. The trial begins before 
U.S. District Court Judge Tim Black, I think January 23rd. And, you know, this is the biggest bribery case in state history. The prosecutors have to prove that this political dark money was used as bribe money in exchange for a $1.3 billion uh, bailout for First Energy that was going to be paid for by 4.5 million um, Ohio consumers. So it's got big names and big money and um, a big premise. And so I'm excited to cover that. And big tapes. They were recording Householder in secret for a while. And I think like every political reporter and probably every political person is really anxious to see what's on those tapes. Yeah. I mean, the, the federal investigators, in, according to the original complaint that came out two years ago, two and a half years ago, it showed that the feds had been listening for a couple of years. And so I think there's just huge volumes of information that, that is going to be distilled into the most compelling arguments on both sides. Okay. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered today, check us out online at enquirer.com. 